Welcome to Season 5 of the Big Sci-Fi Podcast with Adina, Brian, Chris, and Steve, the biggest sci-fi podcast in the galaxy. The adventure is just beginning here at the Big Sci-Fi Podcast, and we invite you to come aboard the Starship Tangent. We know you'll enjoy the conversation, the laughter, the banner back and forth, and most of all, friends who love hanging out to talk about all things science fiction. Set your phasers to fun. Here we go. Good day, listeners to the Big Sci-Fi Podcast. We begin Season 5 with a reminder that we are accessible via our email address, Podcast at gmail.com, our Facebook and Instagram pages, and of course, at the wonderfully supportive Trek Geeks website. Please, folks, for us, wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts, especially this one. So without further ado... The Marion and her brother Daniel Webster's dictionary lists the definition of the word cult as a great devotion to a person, idea, object, movement, or work, such as a film. Today we are going to discuss such a film. Now, a cult is usually associated with events or people. The Jonestown Society who followed Jim Jones ended in the loss of so many lives of his followers who as the expression goes, drank the Kool-Aid, while others are devoted to a specific morning coffee beverage that they can't live without, or they will happily purchase the next i-whatever phone is coming available to them at whatever price it might be. However, cult followings can cause a film like this one we are discussing, Brazil, Adina, if you don't mind. Do, 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 I won't stop until you stop me. <laughs> Cut. Thank you. <laughs> and it can turn a flop into an acclaimed success. This film, which debuted in December 1985, costing $15 million to make and earned a whopping less than $10 million in ticket sales. Since that time, the film has been considered a great success. Wired Magazine called it number five of its top top 20 sci-fi films of all time, and Time Magazine listed it in the top 100 films of all time. Pretty impressive stuff. Now, this is not unusual for a film to do better later in its life than it did in its debut. Think of It's a Wonderful Life. I think you'll agree on that, Brian. Mm-hmm. And Buckaroo Banzai are just two examples of what I'm referring to. But a film of this type and style will not suit everyone's liking. And today, the crew of the Big Sci-Fi Podcast will delve into this movie. But before we begin, and I know you know us all, here are the members of the, in alphabetical order, of the Big Sci-Fi Podcast. Adina? Do, 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 do. I'm sorry, I just have it stuck in my head. I won't go. <laughs> Captain, they put Brazil music in our ears. Oh, I can't help myself. <laughs> Brian. Please stop singing. I will beg you. Please stop singing. I am begging you. No, hey, it's Brian from Ohio. And we watched this movie called Brazil. I'm glad you did. Thank you. Uh, third member of the crew is um, missing at this moment. He'll be back shortly at a predetermined moment in his life cycle that's our good friend chris and what does me? that even mean i don't know i just had to come up with something on the cuff 
I like it. And make him sound like he's like a uh, a caterpillar <laughs> going from emerging from his chrysalis. It's yes. from we'll the, be Chris. The chrysalis. Oh, hey, there you go. Ah, there we go. Mm-hmm. Or me, I'm I'm Flicker Farkle, or better yet, I'm Steve. <laughs> and that's a reference to an old TV show, Laughing. And yes, I am that old. Today, since we will be in topsy turvy, we're going to do something a little different. Before we begin our discussions, I want each one of us to say in a rating of one to 10, using the Brian scientific method mm-hmm. that we have for this, for when we review films. And after. Having discussed our discussion, we're going to reevaluate our numbers and see if they still hold true hmm. or they're unchanged based on the discussion we'll have. So, uh, first off the bat, well, based on her song, I think I know where Adina might first. be. Go ahead, you go first. Well, I do love the film. That said, it's really hard to give a number to it. I, I... Especially because there are parts that I love a lot mm-hmm. and parts that I, I think right. are less stellar. And just for clarification, the Brian Donahue rating system is a one to five stars, not one to ten. I'm so, sorry, you were correct. See, okay. I, I I appreciate There's the so correction. much singing going on. You lost your mind. Sorry. <laughs> I think I'm in the three and a half ish. But if if you if I was just going to do say maybe the first half of the movie i'm closer mm-hmm. to a five okay the second half of the movie is closer to a two and a half three really yeah okay well and, and when i was re-watching it mm-hmm. in preparation for this when i was first watching it, like that first half hour i was sitting there like oh my god i am so happy steve is making me watch this movie again i haven't <laughs> seen this movie in so many years i do love this film this is great thank you steve and then for the second half i'm like oh this is why i don't rewatch this very often <laughs> and I'll, I'll explain more about wh- where it yes, really yes. starts to lose me yeah, well, no, with the problems that. I have with it. But And Brian, since this was the first time you've ever seen it, right? Yes. Yes, indeed. So you, you gave it the, the cold watch? Yes, And how did you did. feel I, about it? I actually watched it all at once. Sometimes, this is a long film, almost two and a half hours, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So uh, I thought I was only, only going to be able to watch it like an hour at a time, but I ended up fitting it all in i couldn't turn it off i'm giving it half a star half a star yes wow more more to come i i am shocked adina gave it three and a half so i'm interested in hearing and we'll see if i gain some stars hearing you wonderful i'm on a mission um to to convince you to give this good luck (laughs) because the only reason i watched the whole thing was because i just had to see how it ended Mm-hmm. Uh, that being said, it's one of those films. I, I am going to point out what I thought was positive about the film. So mm-hmm. I'm not just going to be a Debbie Downer and be all negative. No. And that's uh, fine. And that's folks love the film so much. So well, then that's the whole point is that everyone is going to have a different opinion of a film, book, TV show, whatever. Mm-hmm. What right? Someone loves, others go, "My God, that's horrible." Mm-hmm. And you're going, "Wait a minute, did, or, did we watch the same movie?" Watch the <laughs> same show, read the same book, whatever the case mm-hmm. may be, and that's fine. Yep. Um, Chris is not here, so we'll get his final decision at the end. My is this is definitely I give it a four. I I truly love okay. this movie. Um, a five, 
I don't know what film I could ever, maybe Willy Wonka, that might be a five, you know, that's in my feelings, but this is definitely a solid four as far as I'm concerned. So, so for the question of when was the first time you saw the movie, um, Brian, we know it was just mm-hmm. the other day. I, and I haven't even heard of this film until you guys started talking about it some months back. So I started looking it up online and I just finally watched it this past week. So Adina, when did you first see the film? Sometime in high school. So sometime in the 1990s, somewhere between 1990, 1992. Mm -hmm. And I think it is important. And this, this might affect why I like the film is in high school. I I did watch a lot of Monty Python. I did watch, uh, the Life of Brian, The Holy mm-hmm. Grail, um, The Meaning of Life. And so when I, I don't remember how I learned about this movie, but when I did, I was pre probably predisposed mm. to liking it because I liked that whole, you know, group of Monty Python stuff. And so, and that's so I, one question I have for Brian is, are you, have you been exposed to a lot of Monty Python and are you generally a fan of that? That's a good question. I've seen uh, Search for the Holy Grail. Um, I've seen a few other things here and there. I, I, I don't know if I could name them all. Uh, familiar with them. Not like a huge fan. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, if someone's watching the Holy Grail, I'll, I'll watch it if I have to. But, yeah. I, okay. I mean, I didn't. I, I probably laughed only once in this film. Like, I didn't really see much humor in it at all. So, yeah, because it, it is it, what I've noticed over the years and people who like versus not so keen on Monty Python is it is a a certain kind of humor. It is a yeah. British kind of humor and people either like it or they hate it. it there is not yeah. much in between. And I laughed so, my face yeah. off at, at the Holy Grail. I mean, I did. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, Holy and Grail there's other special. Yeah, that was special. Right. Like, yeah. yeah. Unique for sure. Yes. Uh, uh, classic of theirs mm-hmm. if you're gonna you know that was probably a standout thing mm-hmm. um but i like other british comedy too um mm-hmm. through the years that have come through particular that as a kid i watched uh on pbs you know would show british comedies mm-hmm. um and so i i feel like i understand the dryness of it but yeah just in I, I, for me i didn't see much of that in the film besides you know how just absolutely whimsical and very it's a very physical type of acting in this film so yes, it uh, is. that comes out that's that i do see very very much so i saw this movie in december of 1985 being the fact that i was a big fan of monty python and knew the work of terry gillian i i was looking forward to seeing this movie and i wasn't disappointed when i saw it at all but again, there wasn't. It, I saw it in an art house theater. It wasn't, you know, in general distribution. It was in very limited distribution, so mm. I had to go out of my way to go and see it, and I did see it. So yeah, so I've seen it then and a number of times. And even my wife Elaine said, you know, I said, do you want do you want to watch it with me or not? She goes, no, I want to watch it because it's been years since she saw it. Mm-hmm. And you know, being the fact that yeah, I I've always I've loved Monty Python, and I just love that type of dry British humor that works so well. But in this one, it's darker. It's a right. dark, it's a dark comedy. Well, it's That's a dy- exactly well, it's what it is. It's a dystopian 
thing, right? Mm-hmm. They're they showing a dystopia. And that was one of the things I was also thinking because I, I almost was going to make, you know, my husband or my older child watch it with me. But as I was watching it, I was like, and, and this also might be by be some of why, Brian, you rated it so low is I was thinking to myself, I was like, I, I don't think they're going to, I think one of the reasons I still like it is a little bit more nostalgia more than anything mm-hmm. else. I think coming into this now, um, again, like we, we've talked about other movies where it's good to watch if you kind of want to be well-versed in the genre and, and kind of hit all these milestones. Right. But right. besides that, I, I don't know if I can recommend this film to like a new view. You know, like if someone says, Hey, I'm, I'm looking for all the kind of cool science fiction things that to watch because I love science fiction. I, I don't know if I would tell them to necessarily watch this unless they're looking for historical, like deep dives into the genre. Yeah, if that makes sense. I, no, it does make all the yeah. sense, and you're you're absolutely right. And again, this is not a film you're just going to go, hey, you know, uh, it's yeah. Saturday night, let's watch Brazil. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, no, you're going, but you're going to say, if you know what their likings lean to, if yeah. they, mm-hmm. you know, if they interest enjoy or find interesting this dystopian type of lifestyle that these people had to go through. Yeah, then you say, I've got a film I recommend you to see. You may or may not like it, but I do think it's one worth seeing. Uh, And yeah. Yeah, but I think when people think of dystopian films these days, they'll think of things like Hunger Games and stuff. And this is this is not it's not a modern dystopian film, I guess. is No, no, no. But uh, (laughs) in in moving into. the special effects, the miniatures, the way they built everything. I mean, to me, uh, this is definitely Terry Gilliam's thumbprint all over it with the with the effects and everything that he put into it that it would appear in other mm. Monty Python films or so on. So what do they, do they stand up? Are they still good? Do you think so? No, they're horrible. Uh, to, to today's standards there there's, but if, as I was watching it and here's where I want to be positive about it, as I was watching it, I was trying to imagine watching it back in the 1980s. Okay. And, um, I think, I think some of the miniatures for the time were excellent and some of the effects were interesting. Like, you know, um, where I went, Oh, I bet that took a lot of hard work to figure out how to make it look that good, you Mm -hmm. know? Um, so for the time I would say maybe was good. I think, I think though, there's also a part of it that is supposed to be cheesy and not like super duper real. I mean, it's all supposed to be kinds of whimsical Ridic- and, and a little ridiculous. Yeah, like yeah exactly. The, so it's meant to be over so, the top, like yeah. all the pipes and everything, mm-hmm, and all the connections, mm-hmm. all the pipes and the wires. It's meant to be a little ridiculous. Everyone and it is, with a tiny yeah. little TV and a big, you know, magnifying <laughs> screen in front of it. You know, yeah. and you can you get and then they can have the you know the shot where you see their faces and it. You uh, know. That part, the computers are almost a little like steampunk, almost. Yes, like, they are definitely. Yeah. Hey, did you guys see Bilbo Baggins in this film? Bilbo Baggins. Oh, uh, the Mr. actor who played Mr. Kurt something something. Yes, right. Yes, the, yes, yes, yes. The guy at the uh, at the office. Yes. Who kept asking oh. for help? Oh. The, the Ian incompl- Holmes. The- Ian Holmes' yeah. character. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, he was Bilbo Baggins. He played. Yes. 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 Yep. Really. In the yep. Lord of the Rings. Yeah. I'm sorry. Uh, he'll always be uh, 
the robot from Alien. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> Ash, Ash, he'll always be Ash to me when I see him. So, if I may, like interject a little Star Trek Go thing. Um, yes, Patrick mm, and yes. Patrick Stewart's making it so recent autobiography. He talks about him uh, quite a bit. Quite a bit. There, there is a good a chunk he where he <clears throat> talked about him. Yes. Oh, did he do some stage stuff with them? Uh, I think so. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Um, I'm trying to. There is so overwhelming number of stage people that Stewart has worked with over the years. Right. I, I'm not keeping them all straight because there were some people that he might have crossed paths, some people he really worked with, whatever. So I don't remember which level, but mm. it was, um, you know, he went into that Ian Holm for a while had a lot of issues. Uh, yeah. And was off stage for a while and, and had to get back on. You know, like it, it was interesting. It was very interesting. But yes. Wow, anyway. Well, that's interesting. Now, speaking about There's... characters, was yeah. there one particular character that stood out that you rooted for, liked the most, you know, well, a, that you felt a connection to? I, I mean, I, I can't remember all their names. The characters, the main mm-hmm. character I was definitely pulling for. Lowry. Lowry. Sam Lowry. Um, and, Did you hear? Uh, but I mean, you know, for me, Robert De Niro's character made the film. <laughs> um, and I, you know, I don't know, Steve, you have gone on record on the big sci-fi saying it's one. Of, well, maybe it was off. Maybe it was off. We were, yeah. we were recording saying it was uh, one of his finest. I don't know if I agree with you that way, but he definitely brought some charm and another level to his uh, character. So I, that was, you know, when he was around, I found myself being the most entertained. Adina? Well, yeah, I mean, I, I again, I, I think Sam is the most well-developed character and it is designed, you, you should be rooting for him. So yes, I do find myself rooting for him, I, I think, but deliberately, uh, you know, mm-hmm. yeah. there's no, there's no. Against, against who's the boss, mom. Yeah, well, well it's, it's Sam against everything. I mean, yeah, it really film. is. Yeah. It is really everything and everyone. And that that's kind of the point and kind of the humor in it. It's just everything else is so ridiculous in their society and their life. He's the only one who's kind of like, oh, my God, this is ridiculous. But yet mm-hmm. he's also on the inside of it, too. At least he starts out that way where he's just happily pushing paper and he knows how to work the system and live inside the system and, and function just fine. And it isn't until things start to break down a little bit around him. That is where the, everything gets chaotic. Can I ask a question? Sure. Go ahead. Is the actress who played his love interest in this film, the same gal who played in RoboCop? No, that was Nancy Allen. Okay. Yeah, but they, there's a similarity similar to, to their me. faces. Okay. But yes, I meant that was to Nancy. Look that up. I should have looked that up. I'm sorry. Yeah. But yeah, no, no, that okay. was Nancy Allen. It was different. But her, her, I, her character was interesting because in the what in the uh, Wikipedia on it, the director wasn't happy with her and he kind of limited hmm. her to the number of scenes. But she's an integral part of the story. In that, this is this whatever love interest that he connects with. And he'll do, he'll totally uplift his, change his lifestyle, change, go against everything he ever believed in just to find out who this woman is. So right. in a sense, it's an interesting love story. Uh, and I, I, no, it's a very interesting one-sided love story. One-sided. Yeah. But, but 
Uh, one of my favorite scenes in the film is when uh, he climbs in the truck with her and he's trying, you know, and she wants nothing to do with him, keeps trying to get rid of him. And he just keeps hanging on it. It was almost, mm-hmm. it was, it was almost Bugs Bunny and, mm-hmm. uh, or, you know, the yes. wily coyote type humor. But of that's, him just that's the humor. Like that's some of the that, great humor. That I thought was pretty yeah. great. Yeah. 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 As for me, you hit it right on the nose, Brian, Robert De Niro now, I'd seen him in other films. I saw Taxi Driver and other films like that. But when he appeared on this, this is one of those where you go, this guy stole every scene he was in. Every scene, Robert. And, and that's why, to me, it's like when he first shows up and you're like, who is this guy? You know, with a gun and a mask and all this, you know, ninja uniform. And he's going to repair our heating system <laughs> as an independent contractor. You're like. And then when he, at the very end, he jumps on the wire and goes z- zipping down to the bottom, you go, yeah, that's what a hero is. He shows up out of no place and leaves without well, saying well, another honestly, word. Honestly, uh, Steve, um, Jonathan Price, Sam Lowry, I feel like the scenes with Robert De Niro was his best in the film, too. They he, worked he, really well together, yeah. Yeah, they had great chemistry in those scenes. I felt like... Mm-hmm. The comedic responses that uh, Price had to De Niro's holding that gun at him, and you know, mm-hmm. I, I just thought was fantastic physical comedy, and yeah. was a, a bright light in this film for me. Yeah, so. absolutely. So, the I, one thing I, I have to say that's completely ridiculous. I have to tell a real world story for a second sure. that that, that from the summer. So I have a, I do have a landline phone. I didn't for a while. Say that again. I have a landline phone. What's landline mean? I'm like just a, kidding. I'm okay. just kidding. Well, of course I know. You know what landline, <laughs> landline, landline is? Hello, Martha. Hi, this is Bob. Can you get Rebecca on the phone for me? Yeah, yeah. Thank you. I'll, I'll I had hold. gotten rid of it, but mm-hmm. then I had. Uh, I was having some time when when my oldest son was a baby. My cell phone was on the fritz, and we did have an emergency, and I couldn't call nine one one for my cell phone. The mm. next day I got a landline and I have it for that, that reason. Anyway, over the summer, it wasn't working. So and now I've had it for a long time when I call. And so being able to call to talk to someone to figure out a repair, it was hard enough mm-hmm. when I finally talked to somebody because, you know, uh, it is through Verizon and on their website, all their website is about Fios. It's about the mobile. It's really like impossible to find the information of where do you call if you have landline issues? Because I also assume that you bundled stuff with stuff and I have not. I just have it for my landline. So if I time I, I talk to a person and they're like, OK, so what's your pin? I gave them a number and they're like, yeah, no, no, that's not it. Uh, and they're like, well, let's, well, I'll, we'll, we'll send you a, we'll, we'll text you something. And they tell me your, your cell ends in like some four digits. I'm like, no, that's not my cell phone number. And they're like, well, we'll email you and you're H blah, blah, blah at Gmail. No, that's not my email address in their system. They have the wrong like stuff for me. Oh, wow. And we went in circles they can't authorize a repair until that gets fixed. But how? Sure. But but the thing is, they the, how do they fix it? They have to call my land. The only other way to validate I am is calling my landline that's not working. 
So we went in circles and I eventually was able to talk to someone who could figure out some way to circumvent their process, got a human being out here. And then, you know, the human being came and fixed my thing. And then we all got the other stuff sorted out. But it was a complete ridiculous, <laughs> ridiculous, ridiculous, ridiculousness. But and and I think and I think what happened is at some point a few years ago, they tra- they changed systems and there was a database corruption. Mm. When I log in. They're like, this was really funny. This woman, she's like, well, you have, you know, I can't access your account. I'm like, I can access my account just fine. I'm logged into my account. Everything Mm. when I'm logged in. So something in their backend system, when they changed databases, which changed my account number, because I haven't, there was the original one when I set up the thing and now there's a newer, longer digit one. I think something got corrupted in the background there. But this, when I'm watching this movie, I'm like, oh my God, this is exactly what happened with me and Verizon over the summer. Okay, that's why you told that story. And that that gets into the whole question of bureaucracy. Yes. Oh my goodness, yeah. Is that, I mean, Adina, you work for a a large corporation. I work for a large defense contractor, a very large large corporation. Large, large. And (laughs) and you have procedures, Mm -hmm. processes, Mm mail stops we all do. those things you have to deal with <laughs> and sometimes you go no just give it to me and they go no you haven't filled out the correct requisition form mm-hmm. yep so there are in a large corporation such as mine there are it systems and if like say my computer breaks i have to fill in a form and if i didn't fill it in correctly they'll close it not tell me how to open the correct one <laughs> we have all had that happen mm-hmm. um my office location is not right in the, their system either. And it's nothing to do. This actually came up the other day. Um, someone who I'm, I'm working with, I've joined a new team recently. And they're like, oh, and so you're in building blah, blah, blah. I'm like, yeah, no, that was three or four offices ago. I, I gave up on trying to get them to update my wow. office. And this was, this was not even because now since the pandemic, I'm mostly home. This isn't even that. How Although, do yeah, we know, yes. Steve, we're actually talking to the real Adina She's got this phone issue where they can't confirm her identity, and now they her own work. Are we? Is this even the mm. real Adina we're talking to? I don't know. I don't mm. know. Maybe we, I cloned we, myself. Ah, uh, we need to, as Ronald Reagan once said, trust but verify. <laughs> but my phone is broken. How can you verify? Uh, exactly <laughs> that right. Was the, that was the thing. That was mm-hmm, the thing. So what's mm-hmm. really interesting is. So that movie was back in the 80s mm. and I, we there is some aspect. Now, I think even then we were already starting to live in that world of, mm-hmm. you know, but yes, it has gotten a little crazier. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and the whole the whole bit with the ducks. I mean, conduits, mm-hmm. everything has to be done correctly, specifically. Otherwise, the uh, building inspector will reject the project and tie up your house and it'll never get done and you'll be fighting forever on that. You know, my my in-laws, they were going to, when they had this one property they were living at, they were going to split into two separate properties. And these are older couple and they fought with the city and they finally gave up. They finally had to quit because it was, yeah, it, it was another thing and another thing. And the, so the the metaphor of this film of the, frustration of bureaucracy is there mm-hmm. and uh it 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 they did it really well and i think that was a whole point of <laughs> especially yeah. when like the the two idiot uh, repairmen show up and they and Laurie says do you have the form because <laughs> they know that they 
don't have the form. It's it's very well done. So all that was the great stuff of the movie. I mean, like that mm-hmm. that that was all the great stuff. I mean, that was what the movie was all about. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Well, you felt that in particular, like Joe Layton, the Joe Layton character running around trying to get the right papers to get the right thing moving and her frustration and finally just rebelling against it and driving that truck, man, you know? Um, and so it was, it was, that was, they did that really well because I found myself actually in a movie that I was finding myself not caring much about. I was really aggravated at the bureaucracy. I mean, I was like, holy cow. Okay. They're just pounding. I mean, they pounded at home. It wasn't just a, here's a mention of it. It was throughout the whole film. Right. Mm-hmm. The whole sequence where she's got the paperwork. Do you have the stamp? No, you have to go back to this department to get the stamp. But mm-hmm. they sent me over here. Well, I can't do this unless you have the stamp. I have to go. And then you feel like, okay, I'm at the DMV. Mm-hmm. Or in a lot of places in this country in the healthcare system. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. Exactly right. So yeah. it, it is that it is understandable and relatable to many people. Was there a specific scene in the film that just it didn't have to be like groundbreaking, but, or it set the tone for the film, but was that one scene that you go, wow, that is a great shot. Anything. I, really- the, the big, the, uh, the big chamber where he's in the chair and he's strapped in and his buddy is supposed to do work on him. Mm-hmm. That whole chamber scene I felt was uh, visually I felt looked great. Even that, that might be one thing in the film that I feel holds up today. That, that whole chamber thing, mm-hmm. the huge, that was pretty, I I bought that hook, line and sinker. Did, did it remind you of the chamber that Dr. Or uh, Patrick Stewart's character in the X-Men movie? Professor X. Professor X. Thank mm-hmm. you. Would wheel out to that center section. Mm-hmm. He would be out yeah. there and then everything would be around him. Uh-huh. That yeah. always, whenever I saw the that movie, I, that went right back to Brazil in that oh, scene. Well, yeah, and I I wonder too because there have been other films. I know I've seen similar visuals in other films, mm-hmm. and I can't think if it was before this film though. And I wonder if that's something this film did was with this huge visual with something in the center and a mm-hmm. you know walkway to it. I wonder if this was one of the first times that type of visual was used. Um, Because I've seen it all. You see it all over. It pops Mm -hmm. up every now and then in film. The same basic concept. So I wonder if they create, if that was an original thing. It it may be. And and it looks like, it almost looks like you're inside the stack of a nuclear reactor. Yeah. You know, that's, yes, exactly. Something of that size. Yeah. Adina, is there any? Uh, go ahead, Chris. I'm uh, Chris. Brian, excuse me. <laughs> you don't know who I am either. I'm you losing don't know who track is of everybody. I don't yeah. know anymore. I need. He needs the right form to verify we are who we say we That's are. That's right. <laughs> You're gonna say something. I just, I, um, I just have to say Robert De Niro again. Uh, just the whole. <laughs> yeah. Anytime he showed up, it was pretty fantastic, and it was the most fun for me in the mm-hmm. film. Besides him. Uh, Lowry getting kicked out of the truck and still holding on. And <laughs> I know, you know just in the front, on the box, on the top, all over the place mm-hmm. because he won't give up. It's his, and it was the woman was of his really dreams. Int- I don't know if I've seen Price this young in a film either that I recall. Um, Most people I, think of him from parts of the Caribbean. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, he's been in a lot of stuff, but you're mm-hmm. right. That's a, that's a big one. 
Um, so it was kind of cool to see him young and mm-hmm. uh, what type of an actor he was there. Because I feel like he was pretty versatile in this film. Mm-hmm. Again, yeah, trying to it, find the positive. And yeah. th- thank you. Any one particular scene? I know which one is for me that mm-hmm. just ah. caught me when I first saw it. I I don't know. I mean, I think every time you got into a new environment with all the details, like in his apartment or in his workplace or then in the new office where Mm -hmm. the new office is really a half office with a wall down the middle with a half of a desk and the stuff that they gave him, you know, like all all those kinds of things. So not, not the big grand scene, like what you're, you guys were discussing a minute ago, but more all the small things. And like, Mm -hmm. even the first time we're introduced to Sam where he's plugging in a thing in his phone and you've got all the things in the phone and, Mm -hmm. and all of his technology in his apartment is, you know, half working. I I kind of wish they would have from, I'm going to be really raw and honest with you guys. Sure. Go ahead. Please, please. I feel like they made a critical error for me at least, in how I like to see stories. I I hated seeing him first thing in the film with the wings on flying through the clouds looking for Jill. Like, Mm -hmm. like, to me, that made me go, come on, because I saw the timestamp on the thing when I hit play, and I'm like, two and a half hours (laughs) of this guy in wings? Floating like you know, so for me, I was kind of turned off instantly because of that. I wish they would have started with the bureaucracy and then given us, then we see, then he go do the cheesy flying with the wings on thing, you know, looking for your true love or whatever. Mm-hmm. Or really, freedom mm-hmm. she's freedom for him is yeah. what it is, you know, yeah. it's not just love, it's escape, it's freedom. And this woman who is fighting against the bureaucracy and just you know, so. No, you you brought up a good point because there's it almost seemed like a lost lead of what you're saying. You know, you're like, okay, this is yeah. this is what the movie's going to be, and then you immediately he's woken up in the morning with yeah. that beautiful. And sound I mean, of I, the get phone it, I get it. I get mean, it. I mean, again, trying to find the pot. I get it. I just for me, it made me go, oh, for crying out loud. <laughs> you know, um, no, no, it's under, uh, that that's a g- excellent observation, and that's the whole point why we're doing this because we are. Right looking at a film going, what is it that we like? What is it we don't like? Why do we come to a conclusion of how we feel about a film and why is a film successful and why is a film a failure, you know, and, mm-hmm. and these, these bits and pieces, when it was first released, what you felt may have been what affected why it's distribution wasn't mm-hmm. good or why it didn't very well, didn't drew very well in the theaters. Um, for me, the one shot that I've absolutely to this day adore is is when we first go into where he works and it's that long shot of all those people shuffling paper Mm -hmm. and all those machines and it's over and over and it looks like it's 10 miles long and i just went to this day i'm going how did they shoot that shot it's Mm -hmm. it's absolutely a beautiful job of reshooting and re-editing and reshooting and re and just it made it seem extremely seamless. There, th- that scene, Steve, made me wonder if you snuck a musical into us. Like, like <laughs> so, some of the scenes were so whimsical, timed in such a way that that you could imagine they were about to break out into a song and dance. So they were choreographed. They they were truly choreographed. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. They had to be. You know. Yeah. And that's that's the scene that went. I went. Wow. 
And again, mm-hmm. that's the scale of the film. They they do that. Um, you know, there was a controversy in this film when it was released. Oh, really? In that the the head of Universal, a fellow by the name of Sid Seinberg, he didn't like the film. He did not want it released the way it was. He wanted a happy ending. Uh, I read that too, yeah. And, yeah but Sam and, is sitting there like all happy, singing his song at the end. <laughs> oh, my. But he did not like <laughs> it. And I've actually, Star Trek figure. <laughs> I've actually seen that particular recredit episode, the Have version. Really? And it's it's not good because the darkness of the film is washed away. And right now the one that's been available is the original Terry Gillian cut of the film, which is what you saw on Prime Video. But the other one, not good. So this is where an example of where the the studio says, I want it this way. And the director says, I want it this way. And who's right? Right. And in this case, it turns <laughs> out it's the, because the, ed, the he had Sometimes people editing the film without the him, even in, Terry Gilliam knowing that they were doing this. So uh, one of the little interesting things about it, um, I, I wrote a real quick question. Did anybody, do you guys like Sam's little car? I thought it was claustrophobic. <laughs> that was a real car. Really? Yes, that is. That is. That's why I want to bring up. Post World War. Post World War II. Huh? No, it's a, no. it's a it's actually a Messerschmitt. Oh. <laughs> Post World War II, Germany was under restrictions of the types of cars they could build, and the because of what they rebuilding, so they manufactured these little cars called the Messerschmitts or the, if you I've ever seen one. heard that term before. I yeah. Just, I, and there's another hmm. little one called an Isetta, which is little tiny, these little tiny cars that the Germans made after World War II. I knew about the Trabis, the Trabants. I learned about oh, that when tra- I studied Germany. Oh, that's, yeah. yeah, those, those are hmm. horrible Russian fiats, but anyway. They, I know but they I, were I just, available <laughs> in like Easter, you know, in, in East Germany after yep. the war. Um, there were a couple of fun, like when I was studying German in college, mm-hmm. a couple of funny movies made mm-hmm. about a family traveling around. And you one. know, that was, can, can I uh, say interject here because it's around the car thing that he drove, which was a little one person ish car, right? Mm-hmm. Maybe mm-hmm. was there a person in the back potentially? I don't know. Just there, no, Yes, there was actually. Mm-hmm. They, they could sit in front to back airplane fighter jet type style. Mm-hmm. Hence the uh, Mr. Schmidt designation. Okay. okay. So. But, um, one of the hardest scenes to watch or parts of this movie was that opening family, how they got that mm-hmm. gentleman's, uh, name wrong, his last name and the turmoil that caused and that it was just impossible to reverse. And then those, uh, straight jackets that they would put people in mm-hmm. quite, that was a little disturbing. If there's a mm-hmm. disturbing part of the film for me, it was that part and then this poor family that's traumatized and then he sees their trauma but he's he doesn't know exactly how to react especially when he tries to take the check to her mm-hmm. you know he's he's trying to be gentle with her and sympathetic but really failing um at it tremendously so that was that was I would say that was the most thought provoking part of it because you have the bureaucracy side of it where you go, oh, my gosh, this exhaustive paper pushing and rules and regulations. You got to go here. You got to go there. 
But I think that's one positive thing about the film. They showed how that actually affected the real people Mm -hmm. or the people that had were powerless to do anything about it. Mm -hmm. And I think that was effective storytelling. Yeah. That, that whole sequence with the, in where they live is so Charles Dickens that you just, you see them. Oh yeah. The Mm -hmm. difference in the, you know, the, the tears of the wealthy who eat mush for dinner and these and poor I, other people who are just struggling to survive complications oh to the, the complications to did you just say dickenish too you did dickin is that a, dickenish charles, charles dickenish dickenish yeah i don't i i, I hope it's okay i like it i thought it was I dickensian dickensian seriously really I, okay. I actually thought that that was a, a word that that's what interesting. that meant interesting I could be wrong, but I. I but I digress. Well, we'll Sorry, let the Steve. people at Marion and or brother da- uh, Daniel Webster come and check with us on that. Um, and then, of course, that's what got me talking about this film some episodes ago when we watched Star Trek Insurrection, and I referred to the mask mm-hmm. that yeah they wore, and when the the when the plastic surgeon is yanking on her face. And that's all I can think about. Was and this... I, I got to say that held up when they were stretching her face. I was watching it going, how did they make that look so real? It looks like they're stretching her face, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. And then the terrific visual of, uh, or horrific, depending on your point of view of them, of him stretching the plastic around her face. <laughs> yes. You know, like, ugh. The and person... then they show her afterwards and she looks gorgeous. You the know? person who played that doctor i kept looking at him and thinking he looks so much like the guy who plays plays garrick it's not it's not the same it's guy not him, no no but i see that but it was like mm-hmm. oh my yeah. god this guy does actually look like andrew Robinson. that guy's been in a lot of films he too. has Jim yeah, Broadbent. yeah yes he's people think it, I, I always go back to him seeing him in in the movie uh um moulin rouge Okay. Oh yeah, yeah. He was yeah, in yeah. that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And he's been, yes, but he's been in many, many British indie films. Mm-hmm. One of those just you're gonna see him wherever you see him. Um, so yeah, so I had to get a Star Trek reference in here, folks, <laughs> comparing one to the other. But then again, I also look at the character of Jill Layton, and then I look at the character that Charlie's Theron did in yeah, yeah. Mad Max Fury Road, and I'm going, there's a lot of similarities there. And did they, when they made Fury Road, did they see this type of character who drove a giant truck and was kick-ass tough? If, that I, they if, can... if I had to guess, there probably wasn't a connection there. Um, but uh, when when I read this in your show notes and after seeing the, because I read your show notes, I think you got it to us before I watched it. Okay. And then I watched the film and then read the show notes again. And I'm like, I'll be gosh darn. I see it, Steve. Yeah. yeah it reminds so, me. Yeah, it is. She's just, and she was, I mean, the truck was so cool. And again, the you know, giant truck, neat, tiny little car that he's stuck with <laughs> because of the bureaucracy of giving him the worst kind of vehicle to drive. And she's driving these giant truck and on just, very narrow streets. Yes. <laughs> yes. And that whole chase sequence with the uh, the weird looking little police cars. <laughs> and 
that's the that is i guess the scale of the film where they try to do that's where the humor they make you know the 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 police look foolish like when yeah, they're yeah. practicing singing christmas carols you know when they're these <laughs> frightening looking police officers or when they're inside uh they're inside the um when Lowry's inside one of the police cars, and he's looking for Jill, and and they go, "You can't do that. You can't look at those people. You can't check in. Yeah, you're breaking the rules. Don't do that." And they're very dry in their way of saying it. Yeah, and again, that's that dry British try, humor coming trying, through. Yeah, and trying to everyone trying their best to act like they're perfectly happy, perfectly mm-hmm. normal, perfectly comfortable with my complications, my complications, <laughs> how everything is. You know, mm-hmm. um, it, yep. it's it was you. I think again, the success of this film and its storytelling is really bringing that across well. Is that here's this one character, but of course, he represents probably, uh, I mean, uh, certainly other characters, even if they're not shown or mentioned in the film, that probably think the same way that are that want freedom, that understand what's happening mm-hmm. and how crazy it is. Yes. Um, and it's really like, yeah. I'm sounding like Brian is going to up his star count. <laughs> he might. We'll see. Now, here's another thing, Brian. Since <laughs> this is the first time you were watching the movie, and I'm going back to yeah. when I first saw the film, mm-hmm. and when Lowry's in the chair, mm-hmm. and his best friend in the world is going to torture him, picks up that div- that one instrument, and you're going, no, I don't want to see this. I don't want to see this. And then all of a sudden, all the ninja warriors show up, and they save the day, and you're thinking, did you think that that was real? Or did you think it was ends up being just a dream sequence? In yeah, I movie? thought it was real. Yeah. I'm pretty sure the first time I, I watched it. Yeah, yeah I, don't, I, didn't, I didn't see the dream sequence thing coming, although... The signs were all there because yeah. of all the other dream sequences mm-hmm. in the film. But I think they th- that's why that one worked so well. Mm-hmm. Where it started to give itself away was when um, Harry Tuttle's character is consumed in paper. Mm-hmm. And you go, wait a minute. Yes. What happened yep. here? Yep. Then you go, okay, so now something's And then when you get to the funeral scene, mm-hmm. that was utterly ridiculous. But, in yeah, and and then uh, utterly ridiculous. But also, I mean, the paper scene, like that's that's what it happens. Mm-hmm. People drown in paperwork mm-hmm. and can't do anything. Or yeah, not just drown, so. but get lost in the bureaucracy. Uh, that that kind of, you know, you get shuffled back and forth mm-hmm. and nothing gets happened. Especially, again, I think a lot of people in the healthcare, you know, that can, can relate to getting passed around or people in school, you know, things get passed around. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's where this film is layered with metaphors mm-hmm. about metaphors mm-hmm. of metaphors, so that when you finally get to the end of the film, and you find out that it was just all in his mind, and, and they say and, we've lost him, and now he gets to sing the happy Brazil song for the rest he of his gets life. To hum it for, yeah, <laughs> um, and you don't know what have happened to Jill. We don't know where she ended up being or whatever, but. That's she okay. married Rambo at the end. Well, <laughs> and this is where, this is where, you know, when I was saying at the beginning, you know, the second half of the movie or at some point, like I was like, Ugh. her kissing him, her kind of falling for him, that 180, I'm sorry. No, like, no, no. She was way out of his league. And, and again, her, her initial reaction to him, I don't know you. 
get away from me. Mm -hmm. That made sense yeah, to get yeah. in a, such a short period of time, a complete and utter mm. 180 where now she's willing to kiss him. I'm yeah. sorry. No. I what so Not, what, what bothered Not just me, kiss him. Yeah. So what bothered me is like, so at first, I think at first I was like, oh, maybe that was part of the dream sequence too. Mm. But then no, no, that was before he got captured and was in the chair. Mm -hmm. But the only way that will work for me is maybe really he got kept like maybe something happened really before and maybe that that had to have been like a dream too because no you don't go that quickly from being you do in hollywood ew. though oh mm -hmm. and i hate that and, and again that's the the insta love thing that a lot of us are like uh stop doing that women don't fall for guys like that that does not yeah. happen <laughs> and yeah. not go back real. to there's a rare occasion rare stupidly extremely rare, rare. Mm -hmm. yeah well that goes back to we're the just film. not that interesting <laughs> i'm just kidding i'm just kidding <laughs> it just takes time it one again it can it just takes and, time it doesn't happen yeah. yes. that quickly yes you, could, you know and, from when you meet someone i, I know, you know now yeah. i know and you guys probably do you know people who have an intuition mm -hmm. that maybe they just met who they're going to spend the rest of their life with. I know people that, uh, I mean, my that's rare. wife's grandfather, who's now 96, his wife has since passed, but mm -hmm. that he knew, he, he, he the way he tells the story at least. Mm -hmm. uh, so, so maybe I should be fair in that. Yeah. He knew, you know, and I've heard of that happening with other people too. They just know. Now, it doesn't mean they acted upon it. Mm -hmm. They had to go through a process mm -hmm. of winning Mm -hmm. that person's heart mm -hmm. um, in mm -hmm. affection. Mm -hmm. So that's what you're talking about. That's right. That, that process didn't happen. Yes. It, Whereas, it, it almost always has to happen. It, yes. Whereas in a, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, that's, I was really, I think I was just going to repeat myself and say the same thing again. Well, well then we <laughs> go back to a film like the Terminator. What? Where, mm -hmm. where hmm. Sarah Connor oh, okay. falls in love with Reese in a very short period mm -hmm. of time where he has to prove that he's there to save her. And in doing so, she falls in love with him mm -hmm. and had John Connors created yeah. because of that. And you hey, even we what? had that discussion going, we had that discussion one time and we went, nah, nah, that yeah, I think right. the same thing, Adina. You said that doesn't happen. Right. Guess guess right. what, guys? Hmm. But confession time. Mm -hmm. I've never seen the original Terminator. I feel like you confessed this once before. Mm -hmm. Never mind then. It Moving is moving right along. It again. <laughs> well, then it is one that you should watch. It yes, really is, I, and that's probably one we have to talk about at some point too. Oh soon. yeah, that yeah. and that's that's one reason I bring it up again because that's we got to talk about been on my radar. That's major. We need to. It is. Yeah. I, I again, I think we had the discussion, or we brought up, we were talking about that, and I said, "Oh yeah, the one thing that bottom line that Terminator is, it's a love story." And you went, "No, it's not." <laughs> But, it, you know, in, in a sense that you know, this, as much as this is a love story. This is not a love story. This is a Christmas movie. It really is. You're <laughs> like, right. You're right. Just Look, like, hey, just like Die, Die Hard. Hard is a Christmas movie, this is a Christmas movie. This is we a all Christmas said movie. Die Hard at the exact same time. <laughs> right there. That's the official, unofficial Christmas movie <laughs> of all time. But it, but it is. It's completely, it, if that's yes. what makes a Christmas movie where it happens at Christmas and people are giving each other Christmas gifts and everything mm -hmm. is decorated with wreaths and everything, this is a Christmas movie. And believe it or not, it came out at Christmas. So yes, it, I guess well, it so works. Again, Die Hard, like, right. That's, it's a Christmas movie. Well, technically yeah. it didn't work 
originally. <laughs> it wasn't until sometime later that people felt like it worked. Anyway, yeah, but, that, I, but I the Kristen did that. Kristen did that. <laughs> It, again, this is one of those movies that in, elicits specific feelings about mm, it. And, uh, you know, we were talking about Monty Python. When the Holy Grail came out, I went to go see it with my friend Dean Wilkerson. And Dean hated British humor. And he hated <laughs> Monty Python. And I made him go see it. Well, and I'm he laughed fart through in his the general direction. And, <laughs> <laughs> No, it's just come here and I'll bite your ankles off. (laughs) That's right. See, (laughs) he laughed through the whole film. Adina just said that on the podcast. That's right. (laughs) Yeah, didn't I? Yes, you did because it's memorable. But anyway, the point was is that he said, "I hate it. I hate it." He laughed through the whole film, and when it's all done, I said, "You love it." He goes, "No, I still hate it." (laughs) Give it up, you know. Except the fact that. You can go and not hate liking something and walk out liking it, and it's okay to change your mind. Absolutely. It's okay it's to absolutely okay. You know, to re reposition I where you feel about you. something. Yes. <laughs> Any other points of view? I'm really mi- missing Chris. I wish he was here with yeah, us. Yeah, we miss well, Chris. You know, we miss you, buddy. Sometimes you get what you asked for. <gasps> Uh, 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 no uh, way. Uh, He's knocking at the Zoom door. It, it's he a is. Christmas miracle, Marge. We're going, we're getting Christmas. I told you it's a Christmas movie. So it's like a Christmas episode that we're having here. A little before Christmas. Hi, Chris. Hey, hello. Sorry, I was just gonna hop in quietly and no, no we, we were was. just talking about you literally. We really oh, okay. Steve we said were... the words, I miss Chris. And Adina goes, oh, guess what? <laughs> and we were just going to wrap up. So oh, we yeah. really need your like input here. Okay. I I don't know. I really, <laughs> I'm so curious to see what everyone else thinks. Cause... We're just going to have to listen to the episode later. Yeah, that that was a movie, okay. and I like had to read the. Hey, hey it was a Christmas movie. <laughs> I think Chris and I are on straight. the same side here. Yeah, I think we're leaning towards the same direction. It's intriguing, really well done. The I don't even know if the symbolism is the right word, but just like all the reoccurring themes, like the I don't know what what glass that is, where it, you can sort of see through it, but it's you know what I mean. The, the glass bricks. Can, they're like yeah, those bricks. that just seemed mm-hmm. to be reoccurring. The central vac system, mm-hmm. duct system. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I really, it's one of those movies where I'm like, it's definitely not a bad movie because it's well made, but I, I don't know what to make of it. It's where I okay fall, and just and everything that... is like even the phones are unnecessarily complicated, which I enjoy. Like the fact that you have to plug it into the right thing before you can answer. A phone call. Mm-hmm. Well, that, yeah. that's you're 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 echoing a, a few opinions here, uh, coming in late late in the broadcast. I'm sorry to say, but yeah. But did you did, when the movie was over? Did you go? Hmm. I just wasted two hours of my life, or did you go? Hmm. That was an interesting film. It's. Definitely not a waste because it's like, because I, I love that stuff, but it's one of those things where I'm like, I want to look, I want to re- do more research on it and just learn everything about it. But mm-hmm. at the same time, it's kind of disturbing. And I'm like, I just want to 
I don't want to have weird dreams tonight because the same thing happened when we did the review for Moonfall. Um, <laughs> oh no, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. PTSD, <laughs> stop it, stop but it. But there's a not a moon. There is a Moonfall connection in this movie, which I'm actually I have to verify it, but I okay. but we'll talk about it in a second. Um, but uh, why can't I think of it? Blade Runner 2049. Mm-hmm. I liked a lot. But I had like very strange dreams after watching it. Interesting. Even though I had seen it when it came mm. out. So it's one of those ones where I'm like, do I want to do more research into it and not and have weird sleeps? But I also just want to know like the behind the scenes. I, I don't know. I just feel like I need more information to ex- flesh out why the world was the way it was or is, I should say. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. We we were discussing about how so many metaphors in this film that you bring up and how bureaucracy was like the central core of the story about fighting bureaucracy and trying to free yourself to do the right thing. Um, we'll, we're gonna, we asked this question earlier. I'm going to ask you now. Was there a favorite character that you had in the film, the one that you liked the best? Oh, I have to say... I think it's I think it's got to be the uh I don't know which one of the repair guys but like they were but them as a pair were just kind of ridiculous and kind of funny. Interesting. And Bob Hopkins, Bob Hopkins who played Bob one Haskins. of the Haskins, yes. From better known from uh, being in Roger Rabbit. People think about I think of mm-hmm. him from that. Mm-hmm. And then his co-worker in Hook, he was in Hook. Oh, he, he was like yes. me. I haven't seen Hook in a long time. Yeah. And then his idiot friend who kept repeating everything he said with the dig thick glasses on. Mm-hmm. And here's a musical note about the film, which you may or may not have noticed, Brian. But at the very beginning of the film, the gentleman that causes the bug to mess up and cause the problem, that is Elton John's percussionist, Ray Cooper. I'll be hmm. gosh darn. Yep. And he was actually, in, in uh, looking at the credits, he ended up being a musical consultant in the film as well. So there was a little Elton John tie in there that made okay. my wife smile. But anyway, so I want to confirm. I mean, I'm wrong, but this is this is what I think is the Moonfall connection. Okay, is that so? Moonfall was directed by why can't I think of his name? He does all the disaster Ro- movies. Uh, uh, Roland Emmerich. Roland did. Emmerich. So he mm-hmm. also did the Day After Tomorrow, and I'm pretty sure I got to verify this, but like it clicked partway through that Sam Lowry's boss at the beginning was the old man from the day after tomorrow who has the grandson and he's like, Oh, we have this scotch. We better drink the scotch. You know, this Ian will be Holmes? our last pardon. Ian Holmes. That might be his played, name. Me... Played yeah. uh, Bilbo Baggins in Lord of the Rings. We've already talked mm-hmm. about that. Yeah. Oh, okay. I did not. Oh, you're right. That's the more fame, but I know him more from. That's cool. That's tomorrow. cool. And, and I brought up, he was Ash from the film alien. Oh, okay. The robot. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I know him from that. So I was like, oh my gosh, that's the that's the older guy from The Day After Tomorrow who has mm-hmm. the grandson who's really sweet. <laughs> so you picked one the two characters that are in probably the smallest role in the film. Yep. I think so. Because you like, like rather oh, Mutt yeah. and Jeff kind of characters, uh, Abbott and Costello, or whatever you might want to say. Right. Like just like two comedic duos that aren't central. But mm-hmm. there, that's also amusing just because I've had, I feel like in the last month or so i've had to do a lot of repairs i've had uh fridge issue or freezer issues and i had to get my mm. um 
dryer replaced and it's just like man like i'm glad that when someone comes in i can trust them i don't have to worry about them <laughs> breaking in later because they're annoyed that i asked for a form <laughs> how, how well, about they, your they... landline phone does your landline phone work okay landline phone i did not use anymore but we i've been that's can you a whole spell other... that word again I, again I, what is a landline um, <laughs> they're making phone. fun of me because <laughs> yeah. i still have a landline phone you see you'll have to just listen to the episode chris and catch all up on, on everything see, I, i'm funny i thought like i thought oh surely this is going to be a very long episode i can just kind of like jump in and join in for the other hour or so <laughs> <laughs> i would hope if we had to spend two hours talking about this film no we, we don't. loved it and every nuance and detail was perfect <laughs> or we just sat there like with moonfall and picked apart every 30 seconds of the film going that's wrong that's I, wrong that's wrong i say we rate this sucker okay oh, that's we, I, we and i think a, chris we did a prior first. yeah because we Ooh. gave a prior one as we went in, and now, Chris, your overall view of the film. Yes, one, to, hate... one to five, the, the Brian Donahue oh, patented, one to five. patented okay. Brian Donahue rating system. Are we doing which, points? Like a point five? Yeah, like not, you can do whatever. Uh, you can do. Okay. I got to say, like, I think maybe I, I feel so bad. Just go no, with your two, heart, man. Go 2. with your 5 heart. Five for me because I appreciated a lot of what it was doing, mm -hmm. but I didn't have fun watching it. Like I didn't enjoy it. It's not something that I want to watch again. Mm. But okay. I'm curious about because it's it's not like a bad movie where it's just like it's forgettable. There's a mm -hmm. it's memorable. There's just a lot of weird stuff where I feel like I need to I need to like watch video essays about it. It's a very complicated film with complications on top of complications. Yes. So we're going to go back to those who had rated earlier in the day. Adina, your original rating was? It was 3.5. And I think that's still where I where I am. And it's really, it is that 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 stuff with Jill, you know, insta-loving on Sam. And then the, you know, the the last part of it, where he's having, you know, it, it is a you know dream or he's insane, you know, whatever you, and, and maybe that's because at this point, that's kind of a, almost an overdone trope. You don't, you know, that's, it's too easy and out. Oh, that was all a dream, you know, or at least, even though it was only a portion of the movie, mm -hmm. um, these days, not necessarily a fan of, I think it's too, at the time. And when I first saw it in high school, I was more, ooh, this is seems a little new and a little interesting. Mm -hmm. But now I'm kind of over that. So, but the first half of the movie and everything, all the all the metaphors, all those details, all that statement on bureaucracy and te technology, and all those things are are like great, are great. So I'm still in that 3.5 range. Okay. Um, I'm gonna tell, I'm gonna still stick where I said, Chris, I gave it a four because. I've always loved it. I've always still love it. And mm. I could watch it again and just keep picking out all these unique and interesting scenes and characters and moments that I like. So I'm going to hold with my four. And Mr. Brian okay. Donahue, you gave us a 0.5 stars. Oh, a 0.5. Wow. I'm hoping that he's going up. <laughs> That's why I was encouraging oh, you, Chris, oh, to just go oh, with your heart. Um, I appreciate you. So, and you don't have to watch it again, Brian. 
Yeah, you no, that's don't, you don't, that's I I would not I would not you have to watch it once for every star you give it. <laughs> In that case, a point two stars. No, no, no. Um, I, was, I, was, I was being so silly. I, I, you know, you guys stayed with your rating, and I, I there were some interesting things you guys pointed out. But honestly, like for me, I think we've we've harped on this time and time again in our podcast. I mean, these these little fun recording sessions where we all get together and do this. Uh, where will we watch it again? And I I just I like movies that I can watch again and enjoy again. Mm-hmm. And I'm gonna say, if I had to rate, I'm gonna rate Starship Troopers a little higher than this film. Whoa, um, that's interesting. That's how while while this film was interesting, I'm glad I watched it once, uh, just for the historicity, the history lesson of this being a strange science fiction film that did terrible when it came out, but mm-hmm. gained a cult following. And I think the thing has some charm in it. The acting's good, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. I just it's not my thing. I mean, I just I just for me it was nice try not i i didn't i didn't like it so okay can i be honest with you brian mm-hmm. this is exactly what i thought you were gonna feel right <laughs> i based on your reaction to other films that we've discussed including <laughs> of giving ghostbusters a uh, yeah yeah that one. i don't have to see it again and other films but i do appreciate the fact that you sat down and watched it Oh, yeah. Rather than just, yeah. you know, saying, going to the first five minutes of the film, going, no, I don't want to watch this. I, don't, I, yeah. I, I, I will I will be the conscientious observer. You guys can talk about all you want. I don't want to talk about it. But you did watch it. And that's the most important thing is that we all should do that. Even films. I mean, I told you, I did not watch Moonfall when we had the discussion because I was going to pay 20 bucks to rent it. But on my birthday, you save the money. Yeah, I'd rather. I don't know. But on my birthday, I watched the movie for only three ninety nine, and I'm glad I watched it because if I didn't watch it, I would have been a hypocrite. Oh, in what I just said about you and saying Brian that you did watch it, and and that's the most important thing. We we have to give things a view. We can't just say they're good or bad. Right. Though there's a lot of information out there. Like I said, I I didn't have to watch Moonfall, but there was so much out out there, almost like I watched the movie. Yeah, yeah. And I want to say too, to to on the flip side of that, like I get why you guys like it, but you have a history with it too that I don't. Mm -hmm. Um, and that's part of it. And I feel like like there are some films I don't lean towards or like, Mm -hmm. but there 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 I'm sure there are films that I do like that you guys would not rate nearly as high as me either. Mm -hmm. So um you know I just this type of um I guess for me if if it's gonna be this I I, maybe I I don't know if I just the humor didn't hit me right too and that's Mm -hmm. part of it. You know, I didn't to me I just felt like, uh, I just got to watch it to see what happens to this poor chap, you know? Yeah. yeah. Well, and like I said at the beginning, I, you know, I, I think some of the reason why I still enjoy it is the nostalgia aspect of it. Not, you know, mm-hmm. if I was watching this cold right now, I don't, I don't know. I really don't know. Yeah. But again, yeah. I also am a Monty Python fan. So, I, you know, it's, so it's really, really, you know, if I were to watch some Monty Python now that I haven't seen, 
I don't know if there is any I haven't mm-hmm. seen. There might mm-hmm. be some, but I think I I think I pretty thoroughly went through their catalog back is it, in like it, high school. Is it really that close to the style? I don't think and, so. Because that's where that's where I'm like it, that's one thing I was surprised at. I because I know how much I laughed at the Holy Grail film. Well, yeah. I, I laughed okay. out loud maybe once or twice during this film. So, so I, I guess it was not supposed to be the same. I understand films, that too. Not the films, but if, you know, the, the Monty Python, the sketch comedy series, the oh, films okay. came Flying out Circus? after yeah. those. But even. Yes, Monty Python, Flying Circus, <laughs> but all those sketches, those were written by different members of the cast and acted by different members. Terry Gilliam and each of them have their own style. So this was definitely a Terry Gilliam style film. Mm-hmm. And he did um, one that I actually wound up not liking was the adventures of Baron Munchausen. Oh yeah. That which was... I, I, and I think that's might be how I, I mm-hmm. learned about Brazil because that came out while mm. I was in high school. Mm-hmm. And so it might have been part of that's then I learned, Oh, he did this. Mm. Let me go watch this. Mm-hmm. I didn't enjoy the adventures of Baron Munchausen, but I did enjoy this at the time. But like I said, if you watch the Monty Python flying circus sketch thing, you there's different styles of the different stuff. Mm. So knowing this is Terry Gilliam, which is not, even though Terry Gilliam was in the other Monty Python movies, I don't think he wrote those. No, so there's, and there's, he, there's a, you know, and he did very overlap little overlap of different styles. He yeah. did very little acting. He did mm. all the special effects, the all the artwork and all that. Mm. That's what he was known for. Yeah. He was a director. He was a filmmaker. He wasn't a, he wasn't minister of funny walks, silly walks. Yeah. He wasn't penguin on the tail. He was a dead parrot. Yes, or having a cheese shop and going (laughs) over all the cheeses. No, no, we don't have any. Or the bookshop where he's trying to find a book and they don't have the. He keeps asking for all these obscure books. It's the same thing as the cheese shop, only it's the reverse, and it's perfect. (laughs) But I guess my my point being is, is if I were to see, and you know, if I were to see Monty Python now that I hadn't Mm -hmm. ever seen before, Mm -hmm. but again, I don't think that exists. I think I have seen it all. Mm -hmm. I don't know how I would react. You know. but I, think I will it's compare like a, this to – go ahead, Chris. I'm sorry. For me, it seems like, again, like maybe if you look at it, oh, this is Terry Terry Gilliam, mm-hmm. possibly. But it just seemed like it did, there was like a couple of moments that seemed to have Monty Python-esque humor. Mm-hmm. But like it just – I wanted like, I don't know, discussions about nothing and like arguing about silly – like there wasn't enough of – You want to have an argument? You want to go to the argument? Meeting? Yeah, stuff like that. No, so this maybe, is an again, argument. This is – yeah. This is you're just simply raising your voice. You're just contradicting. No, I'm not. Yes, I am. <laughs> so now good, I will I, say I this. I will say this. If you're going to compare it to one of the other Monty Python films, this is more like The Meaning of Life, mm-hmm. which is a very dark. Yeah, and yeah. that's a dark right. film as well. That's very dark in that style of humor, mm-hmm. but it also I, has. I, I, so I can't there was sing one, the song I was going to sing. <laughs> there was one line. Um, what was it? Uh, oh, say hi to the twins for me. Oh, they're triplets. Ah, oh, how time flies. I'm like, wait, that doesn't that doesn't make any sense. How can I know. that's the nonsensical <laughs> that's, that's, like, stuff? That's a Monty Python esque line. I'm like, mm-hmm. okay, that's well, that my, and Monty Michael Palin. He's like, I feel like he's also what you expect to see a little bit more in that. And him playing like the really, to me, he's playing like the most darkest character in this yeah. film is. It's jar. It's jarring, but in a in a humorous in a humorous way. 
And really, the to me, the one of the most darkest moments of the film, and also I hate to say one of the funniest, is when they walk into the uh, secretary office and she's taking dictation of torture, and she's smiling. She's mm-hmm. oh yes, she's oh yes, go. He'll be with you in just mm-hmm. a moment, and she's just typing away. Yeah, and I always thought that that was that was like that is dark humor. Mm-hmm. That is dark. So I, all I, of this was to say, like. Brian, if I was in your shoes where I hadn't seen the movie, I was just seeing it now and didn't have like a like a an old school deep love of all the Monty Python stuff, I, I might have also been rating it as like in closer to what you're rating it. Mm-hmm. That was but what see, I was I trying l- to say. Yes, yeah, <laughs> I love just... Monty Python. I can quote their stuff for hours, but like I don't know. It's just it's one of those where it's not a bad movie because mm-hmm. like mm. It was going for something. It's definitely not that it's not memorable. It's just I don't know. It's a little too, too dark. I guess mm-hmm. maybe is like just like a, okay. Well, now I feel like garbage. So th- this was this. your first viewing of it, Chris. First time. Okay, so you're right up there with with Brian. And it's like 1984, but 1984, I feel like you expect going into it that it's gonna like. There's already so much around it that you are you kind of know where it's going. And that's why I put a link on the um, for the commercial that came out in 1984 for Apple computers. Oh, that, that was, was shown classic. only one time. That was shown during the Super Bowl, only one time. <laughs> I remember that. And then Ridley Scott made that commercial. Mm-hmm. And it's it, when I saw that, it's like this is running into what this type of film was: is the the fighting against the bureaucracy, the standing out that this is different, that it's not just what everybody has to do and must do. So, yeah. But, uh, well, if any, any other thoughts, otherwise um, we will conclude. Chris, I know you're late coming to the show. Is there anything you want to offer? No other thoughts. Just, I want more explanation as to what happened and why, because it was like sometime in the 20th century. I'm like, so I, I would have liked some like explanation as to okay why did things go this way? Is our like did the eighties happen in this timeline? And then I don't know some there was some yeah. deviation or I just want more like hey this is everything that happened that led to this weird bureaucracy dystopia. Well, um, I'm sorry that we can't contact Mr. Gillian and say can you give us a backstory of prequel of this film but uh we just kind of it's kind of like what brian said we we walk in with a dream sequence and then we get into a movie and it's like what i wasn't ready for that okay so yeah maybe there isn't they never intended for a backstory it just it just it just exists yeah it just exists so i would i would i i do have one final thing to say i want to let's encourage our listeners to either on our Facebook page, our Instagram account, when we post this episode, um, to tell us a sentence or two of your thoughts. How, what would you rate this film? Mm-hmm. Have you seen this film? Uh, does this episode make you want to watch it to check it out to see if you agree with me and Chris more or Steve or Adina more? And uh, interact with us a little bit on this. I think this would be a great film to do that with because it is so just different than a lot of what we have discussed um, on the show. So yeah, you're right. This Let us know what you think. This isn't a traditional sci-fi film. This wasn't aliens. This wasn't spaceships. This wasn't the future. There wasn't even a DeLorean in the movie, you know? <laughs> um, 
time machine, whatever. So yeah, this this is science fiction, but it's 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 dark science fiction. I guess if you want to call dystopian. it so. dystopian, dystopian, <laughs> yes. And with that, we come to the end of another interesting film discussion. I truly advise you, as we've just said, if you've not seen this film, please go and rent it for yourself. It's available on Amazon Prime Video for the low, low price of four twenty nine. Mm-hmm. Much less than a Starbucks latte, a Starbucks latte, which is, of course, another cult product, and much oh. more enjoyable. <laughs> and Amazon, I not yet Starbucks. a sponsor. Huh? I call I call Starbucks five bucks. Okay. You're at least going to spend five bucks if you walk in this. So place. this is really a better deal than a latte. <laughs> there you go. So go ahead and do it, kids. But Amazon, not yet a sponsor of the Big Sci-Fi Podcast, but Jeff Bezos, if you're listening, please call us. We'd be happy to endorse your product on our show. 1-800-WE'LL-TAKE-YOUR-MONEY. Thank you very much. <laughs> and as a reminder, the Big Sci-Fi Podcast is a proud member of the Trek Geeks Network. Go to it and enjoy all the other content available to you. And as always, we thank you, our loyal listeners, for following us. We look forward to your comments, and they can be sent to our email address of the Big Sci-Fi Podcast at gmail.com. Go to our Facebook page and post your thoughts or even your funny memes. We love it when you share stuff with us. And be sure to be at Trek Long Island Convention, May 31st to June the 2nd. We'll be there, won't you as well? And as always, I leave you with these parting words. Look to the sky, live long and prosper. Do 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 do